so I guess at the very root level, uh, the collective kind of act like a compass within DeFi where, uh, you know, DeFi is a very broad umbrella and it's really hard to uh, have a sense, especially from the outside of how decentralized the protocol really is or autonomous and trustless it can be. Uh, so, so one of the first uh, mission we picked up for the collective is really to act like a compass, a beacon helping uh, users realize which protocols are on the most decentralized end of the spectrum and, and pose a minimal amount of risk to their funds. Uh, but this kind of signaling role is only the first step because we intend to also uh, support those protocols. Uh, so for that end, we have some uh, assets uh, we control internally, especially liquidity driving token and that allows the collective to direct uh, essentially incentives to liquidity pool involving the tokens of the protocol that are within its supported scope. Hi, and welcome to the Deus Ex DAO podcast. Today, we've got a returning guest joining us, Token Bryce. How are you going? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm sure that the listeners are mostly aware of your time at Liquidy, um, but can you please give us an overview of what your role sort of progressed from at Liquidy? And that will probably be a good segue into uh, what we want to talk about today. Yeah, for sure. So I uh, started at Liquidy about 18 months ago. And I was hired on a head of growth role for chicken bonds, which were unreleased. And it was about six months before the release of the chicken bonds. So essentially in the bit of, you know, I started preparing the, the launch strategy for chicken bonds and, and figuring out the, the marketing plans. But as I was doing that, uh, I realized there were a lot of opportunity on the liquidity protocol itself that were uh, underserved. So I started allocating some time to do that. And, you know, the, the one of the first ones getting um, LUSD uh, added on Avi, first as borrowable asset, and now we have a collateral status. And other things related to liquidity management, essentially on LUSD, and uh, to a lower extent LQTY. So, uh, yeah, over, over time, my role kind of shifted onto those, uh, those missions um, as we had more people joining for, for marketing. And it just made more sense, you know, to uh, work on uh, densifying that ecosystem uh, on LUSD and NPTY. Uh, it was a bit of a under, um, underserved uh, angle of the protocol before I joined. Yeah, cool. And I think uh, you and I have spoken about this before. Basically, the key infrastructure is obviously Aave and Aave integration is like the sort of tick of approval, I guess, um, that awesome. you have some sort of like uh legitimacy as a project so obviously um we're all big fans of liquidity and lusd but i guess sort of transitioning to to what we're chatting about today obviously liquidity being an immutable DeFi protocol that doesn't have like massive vc backing and a team that's like i don't know speculation and and sort of all these things that you can do through like non um immutable protocols that we've sort of come to see enter DeFi. 
what did you notice was like underserved and and one of the struggles I guess with immutable protocols that they had to face and that you had to face when you were trying to sort of get LUSD mm. to where where you have got it yeah yeah i mean i guess the biggest uh, disappointment was realizing that uh, <laughs> it's gonna sound a bit naive now but essentially there is no free lunch for immutability i don't know how to put it any other way you know um i would have been expecting all the protocols to kind of value this and and give a bit of a premium in how they treat lusd you know be it that they spontaneously consider adding lusd within their their, their procedures without us having to like completely lead the charge on it and 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 make sure uh, you know it's it's a, an, an option being voiced out to their governance so that was like the bit of the the disappointment i guess is you know all major protocol have included they will focus on what brings them uh, utilization essentially and and that's mostly <laughs> uh centralized stable coins or other things like that so um yeah, that was a bit of a, a harder to overcome. And I guess this is what led to this idea of the DeFi collective, because this is essentially what we were expecting to find for uh, liquidity, what I was expecting to find for liquidity. And I did not find uh, no being uh, made available to a more uh, imitable resilient protocol. Yeah, cool. So you're taking your le your learnings, I guess, of and the struggles of working with a immutable DeFi protocol that maybe doesn't have the resources that others may have and trying to uh, bring that to everyone else. So I guess that's a good good segue now into the mission statement of the collective. So I know you've been on a few podcasts already, but um, if you don't mind sort of explaining what the DeFi collective is and what the collective aims to achieve, um, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, so I guess at the very root level, uh, the collective kind of act like a compass within DeFi where, uh, you know, DeFi is a very broad umbrella and it's really hard to uh, have a sense, especially from the outside, of how decentralized a protocol really is or autonomous and trustless it can be. Uh, so, so one of the first uh, mission we picked for the collective is really to act like a compass, a beacon helping uh, users realize which protocols are on the most decentralized end of the spectrum and, and pose a minimal amount of risk to their funds. Uh, but this kind of signaling role is only the first step because we intend to also uh, support those protocols. Uh, so for that end, we have some uh, assets uh, we, we control internally, especially liquidity driving token and that allows the collective to direct uh, essentially incentives to liquidity pool involving the tokens of the protocol that are within its supported scope. So that's one of the um, activity we can do for, for, for projects we support. But uh, yeah, there are also a few other polls we can go through, um, but uh, mostly around uh, governance activities and um, advising in a way those projects with uh, topics like uh, related to tokenomics, uh, legal even, and, uh, and and liquidity strategies. Yeah, cool. And I guess there's like a very underserved and misunderstood um, area of the market, especially liquidity management. You've sort of become like the the face of that, I suppose, within Ethereum DeFi, I guess. And I think um, it is something that is like massively misunderstood and maybe underappreciated by these protocols. So Definitely. if there is someone that realizes that maybe they're not, able to handle this internally is it something that they can reach out to the collective or are you a little bit more um 
picky with who, who you work with or sort of how do you select who, who you work with? Yeah, so we have those uh, uh, guidelines that I was referring to. Uh, we're working on sharing more uh, public documentation about it. There should be a blog post actually coming today to kind of give more context on what the challenge that it is to establish those guidelines, <laughs> essentially, because it's really hard to find a, a criteria that would work for uh, every single uh, type of protocol. But so the, the guidelines act as kind of the first layer to determine which protocol we support or not, we work with. But then in the early stage of the collective, so currently, um, we also um, essentially factoring in the impact we can have on those protocols as a way to prioritize. And so we're looking for a sweet spot with protocol. We are um, part of an uh, early batch of protocol supported where, um, yeah, we can actually have a serious impact on them, help them grow. And then the collective will have some form of uh, 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 be involved essentially with that project, with their governance, if they have any, and and we hope it can be a, a really like mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, that's good, and I think, and and I guess like the, not not a requirement is immutability, but I think you're from what I understand, you want to look for, aim for um sort of governance minimized or trust minimized protocols, right? So, um, yes. It, that are sort of aligned with everyone and what we think DeFi should really be about, um, get the most help. Yeah, it's actually really hard to to, to corner those design principles, but uh, uh, there is a, <laughs> a bit of an old tweet now from last month from Aiden Adams that kind of summarize uh, a bit of perspective in that topic, because it's really more a matter of a mindset when the protocol was designed than, um, you know, the absolute characteristic of the protocol itself. Because again, we're really looking to have something that is fair and not excluding, you know, more complex use cases on the basis that they are not at the maximal level of resilience, but like, hey, go build an immutable 5,000x leverage per dex, you know, <laughs> that's a bigger mission than uh, just something like a Uniswap. So, um, so yeah, this tweet for, by Aiden Adams uh, from my head, sorry, I can't find it, but it goes like, uh, essentially, uh, automate what you can because you know it just works it's just the best form of decentralization then incentivize what you cannot govern uh, because it's still you know a decentralized way of solving the problem and finally uh, govern what you cannot incentivize and so it's really you know this perspective of governance minimization where a governance is seen as a last resort where you had two layers of potential solutions you tried before and they couldn't work so you are uh, resorting to governance. And this is really what we're looking for, protocols that understand that and, you know, resort to governance instead of defaulting to governance. Yeah, cool. I like that. I think I've actually seen that tweet um, somewhere before. But yeah, I'm completely aligned with that. And I think we almost lost our way a little bit. Like the first iteration of DeFi protocols were truly or like tried to be as decentralized as possible and like uniswap univ1 still works like the contracts are deployed they're immutable it works and uniswap have done it liquidity did it um and then we seem to like stray a little bit from that until now it's basically like go off chain voting and everything controlled behind a multi-sig and then hopefully now we can sort of stray back onto the the right path or some at least are trying to which is yeah. good um 
So I know that there's different areas within um, the collective. So maybe if you don't mind giving a bit of an overview of like the core members and the different aspects that they bring and then sort of expanding out into sort of um, the different areas as well. Sure. So uh, right now, uh, in terms of, so it, oh yeah, I guess I forgot to mention that it's a Swiss nonprofit association, the way the collective is structured. And so right now the association is uh, essentially under a triumvirate structure where we have three board members, which each uh, bring uh, a specific expertise to the collective and uh, kind of irrigate the relevant area of the collective action. So uh, I guess myself, we talked about me and off, but I, as you would have understood, I am mostly involved in matter related to liquidity management and the governance related activities we're doing for, for uh, protocols. And uh, another angle, maybe we'll discuss a bit later, is on, on treasury management of the collective, which is quite an important topic. Uh, on my side, as board member, I, there are uh, Niels and Florian, each with a, a very uh, synergetic and useful expertise. So uh, Niels is more uh, a technical person. He's a, a protocol designer, protocol architect, essentially and uh, able to uh, get involved in topics that are a bit more uh, yeah, heavy on, on the technical side. So the uh, area is kind of spearheading is this, uh, what we, this research angle. So, you know, that would include, for instance, specifying the, um, the guidelines and um, producing other form of research that are useful for uh, builders of immutable protocol and supporting initiatives in, in that area. Um, the, the third uh, board member is Florian, and Florian is a lawyer by uh, training. Uh, and so he's focusing more on topics uh, related to what we call user protection. And this is the idea of using those guidelines to clearly communicate to the users what kind of risks they're taking. And maybe uh, over the long run, even have a, you know, um, an impact who knows, on the laws that are being drafted. So for instance, in Europe, there is Mika, and Mika... Um, is making uh, a kind of special distinction for uh, truly decentralized protocol. I think that's how they call them. And then they finally, just a few days ago, released some uh, additional precision as to what it entails. Essentially, they don't want to see any single entity controlling uh, any point of the protocol. So it seems quite in line with what we envision too. But yeah, we want to make sure this kind of uh, understanding is preserved in future regulation. Yeah, cool. I think that's very important, hopefully, to have someone that actually understands DeFi on a complex level, um, having some sort of say or hoping to to sort of contribute to the regulation. Because as we know, like things change so quickly and it can get very, very complicated. So for like regulators, they just see DeFi and they think that everything's the same. It's like this blanket thing and it's all like um, sort of branded with the same sort of brand or tied with the same brush. So yeah. I think it is super important to have someone that can maybe provide that nuance when so there is a protocol that is immutable or a very governance minimized compared to something that's basically a centralized company with a token that looks a lot like equity and a, a few people control the multi-sig. Um, they should be treated differently in my opinion anyway. So it's yes. good. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And, and the research side, what sort of like research um, would we come to it? Like, are we, sh should we be expecting to come out of the collective? Is it like um, protocol research or is it um, maybe some philosophy research or anything like that? Or what do, what could that look like? 
Yeah, so this one is, is kind of shaping up as we speak. Uh, but there, there will probably be a few, a few angles explored here. So definitely, it uh, seems like the community is quite eager to work on a more uh, philosophical angle, as you were saying, with the production of a manifesto. So that's something we're definitely uh, keen to support. Um, on uh, what the board is working on, it's more uh, essentially research that would help builders of uh, potentially immutable or resilience maximized protocols to uh, want to do it easier or to do it with more uh, guidance. So uh, one of the things, for instance, we are uh, considering, we have limited resources, but probably produce it at some point because it's just too needed, is a kind of um, overview of the best practices when it comes to decentralizing your front end. So like all the solutions that are now available to host a website, you know, in a more uh, decentralized fashion, IPFS, internet computer, and so on. And uh, other practices, you know, questions related to uh, the incentivization model for front-end decentralization, or even development best practices. So, you know, this is questions we're getting, we're getting quite often at Liquidity from other protocols that are uh, looking to, to replicate a similar approach. And so we figured, you know, if we can have some open uh, available research on the topic, that would probably make it easier for uh, the projects who are considering having uh, a front-end that is uh, maximally decentralized and even include in that academics level a component to incentivize those front-end providers like Liquidity is doing. So it could be things like that. Say, yeah, sorry. Oh, so, so I was just going to jump in there. It, when, you, when you're talking about that, it just makes you realize how sort of ahead of their time Liquidity were with the incentive structure for the front-end and all of that stuff. It's like interesting that people are still asking for guidance on that now when they've been... Mm -hmm had it implemented since since the beginning and deploy the contracts and walk away. Um, yes. It's a pretty like amazing feat of engineering really to have it like, like as immutable as it is and, and as stable and battle tested as it is now. It's, yeah, it's very impressive. Yep. So uh, yeah, on that front, I would really like us to have something coming out in the next few months to, to just uh, provide more resources. And then other initiative in, in the research area um, a bit more long term, but they are uh, in the same vibe of essentially trying to remove some hurdles that uh, developers of immutable protocol might find uh, themselves facing. Um, so uh, another long term one is a discussion of agent based modeling for essentially economic research on immutable protocol. And here it's uh, to keep it a short story, it's a uh, it's a kind of modelization that you do mostly for immutable protocols because it's like extensive economic modelization. And so regular protocols um, to kind of cut on audit costs, they tend to not do these kind of things because it is quite uh, resource intensive and they can always adjust uh, economic parameters right after the launch. Uh, but immutable protocols, they don't have these options. You know, they cannot uh, double their fees uh, one week after the launch because oh, sorry guys, we made a mistake. We didn't realize we were gonna use the protocol like that. Um, so they have to plan for this in advance. And the way they do it is with uh, these kinds of local simulations that are agent-based modeling, very extensive ones. And so <laughs> long story short, they require uh, expertise that is not broadly available, even if you have the budget for it. So here we're thinking at what we can do to uh, help maybe uh, a specialized service in, in that area emerge or maybe through resources to make some... Um, best practices available on, on building a, a, an agent-based modeling solution. 
So, you know, anything really that can uh, make it easier, make it less effort to ship uh, a code with resilience in mind. Yeah, well, yeah, it is extremely important. And I suppose that is one of the reasons, I would say one of the reasons why a lot of people ship code that is like, has a lot of different parameters that can change. And like we've seen things ship recently that have um, had massive fluctuations in the interest rates and all of these sorts of things as well. So I think um, it is like a shortcut that that some people take, but it is super expensive as well and difficult, like you said, difficult to get hold of people that are capable of actually running these models extensively Mm -hmm. enough that you can ship something immutable from that. And this is like, I think, a good example of where you see this, uh, what I was trying to tell you before about like, you know, the philosophical dimension on how to build a protocol. Because um, to take a more concrete example, for instance, uh, the question of of interest rate on uh, a lending protocol, um, you know, you can have, uh, so on liquidity, it's uh, the the borrowing, the borrowing costs are, are set. And you, you, you just have this base fee that modulate based on essentially what happened on LUSD recently. There's a lot of redemptions or a lot of meeting. It might uh, go up temporarily to kind of act as a buffer. But you have uh, forks of liquidity that are uh, having governance and can modify this uh, parameter. But now what's interesting is within the fork, we've seen two different kinds of behaviors. Um, you know, so uh, just this week, we had two forks that raised the interest rate, but the way they did it is quite different. Um, so sorry for Prisma, I don't know if it's up yet, but they're voting on it and the vote is consensual for all the reasons we can go into, but the vote is going to go through. But the thing is they're raising interest rate also retroactively. So affecting people who already have a position. And, and that was interesting, you know, because, uh, just a few weeks before another fork, a Gravita also raised its, uh, initiation fee then, but essentially since it's an initiation fee. It's only paid at the inception of the position. So people who already opened the position, they paid their previous 0.5% uh, and, and, and they're fine, or 1%, I don't know exactly what it is for them. And only the new users will pay uh, that increased fee. So, you know, in terms of uh, uh, philosophical alignment, let's say, both have a governance that can modify the fees, uh, but in the Gravita side, I'm not picking winner here, it's just an example. I feel like it's been done in a way that is more, you know, mindful of the long-term consequences and uh, of the user base, of the idea that those users, you know, if they come on the liquidity fork, they expect a sense of stability in the borrowing conditions, even if they know that governance can change it. You know, it's it's not something that should uh, uh, be varying every every couple of days and very rapidly uh, and affecting them retroactively. So I, I thought that was interesting to see, uh, you know, even with like, a, mutable governance, you can have different practices that really shows uh, a bit more about uh, the long-term perspective on the protocol. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's something like, something that maybe gets taken for granted by the average person is if you do go to liquidity, you know that it can never change. Like your costs are set, you know them up front and that will be it. So it's interesting to hear that people or one of one of the forks has retroactively changed it. So then it, is it real? Like, are we really gaining anything from traditional finance if the rules can just change at any time? Um, yes, yeah, exactly. I don't think so. I think that's like kind of <laughs> the moral high ground of DeFi. You know, if we want to defend that uh, ideal, 
we need to kind of be exemplary on that front of like, hey, look, all protocols, you know, the conditions, you don't have like hundreds of pages of terms of condition that you get updated every three months with a small line changing, telling you your interest rate double. And if you haven't seen it too bad, it's up on your face. You know, we can do much better than that. And, and we should really try to uphold that standard, even at uh, an ethical level at the end of the day, because it goes beyond, you know, again, the pure technical specification. You will never yep, be able yep. to specify this with code, you know, like you need to be responsible in how you change your fees. I mean, there are ways yeah. to, to frame it, but it's still a matter of behavior at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And not everyone's lucky like we are to work in this industry every day and sit on Telegram or Discord or Twitter and, and see the updates. Some people wouldn't even know that it has changed and you come back in a couple of, in a month's time or two months time and realize that your interest rate has doubled and what you mm -hmm. thought you were doing is no longer as profitable or anything like that. So, yeah, I agree. And um, so we touched on the board members, but maybe um, contributors for DeFi. And if anyone listening is wanting to contribute, how, how, is it possible? And how, how do you go about that? Yeah, so we're trying to really have something as uh, open and accessible as possible. It's an association at the end of the day. Uh, so uh, on top of the boards, we already have contributors. Right now, we're mostly focusing uh, on the treasury management, uh, but we also have uh, external contributors helping us with topics like, uh, for instance, the brand identity. We had the logo done by YM. We did a few other logos in the DeFi space, including DeFi Lama, <laughs> not a small one. Um, and uh, yeah, we have also Mulatan, who is a June wizard, and will be helping us out when we need for maybe further campaign to have some, some synchronized June analytics uh, production. And uh, so on the treasury side, then uh, we have uh, Amis, who is uh, uh, assisting me with the, 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 the strategy and uh, the tracking of the treasury, and <laughs> yourself, Lou, also helping out on this front. Um, so there are various ways to contribute. The best way to get started is the Discord. And we're trying to have this structure where people can kind of get onboarded uh, uh, organically, you know, work on the topic they want to focus on. Um, and then depending of how uh, frequent and involved, uh, how frequent their involvement is, we're looking into uh, uh, formalizing this and, and maybe compensating them. Um, so that's like the main, uh, main way to get involved right now and uh as uh for the members so right now the members are just the initial board so myself Niels, and florian but same thing here we're looking to expand that uh, association membership with uh four ideally minimum of four external profiles to gain a 51 percent attack ourselves in the coming months um so we are looking closely at those people who get uh, involved early uh, and spontaneously, because uh, they are obviously uh, <laughs> demonstrating a keen value alignment with the association and its mission, and we believe they will be uh, uh, good members potentially. Yeah, cool. So that's I, I do like it. It's basically if you if it resonates with you, you just start to contribute, and I think that's something that's really good about DeFi um, as a whole. Is like it doesn't matter if you're a non or if you're doxed or if you're whatever race, religion, sex, whatever, it doesn't matter. You just can start contributing to something that you care about. And if it's sort of valued and you do a good job, then things, doors open or things happen. So I think that that's like a really good thing about our, spa our space. And it's good to see that um, the collective sort of fostering that as well. Yes. Um, may maybe, um, so you, 
we touched on a little bit and this is sort of like your area and what, what we've spoken about or worked on a bit together is the treasury management so maybe um you could give an overview and i think maybe for anyone that doesn't listen this sort of plays into like liquidity as a, a non-profit um i mean sorry DeFi collective as a non-profit but sort of how does the treasury management work and then how can this benefit um the the protocols that you're working with mm -hmm. so yeah the uh, DeFi collective uh, has received some form of initial funding thanks to donations from uh, projects that are uh, sympathetic to the cause and uh and some loans and most of the assets that are on are what we call liquidity driving tokens so the like of vcrv or, or others they allow the collective to direct uh, various kind of incentives on on six uh, layers to uh, the pair of each choosing and this is the main uh, one of the main angle we see for uh, supporting the protocols that are part of our guidelines so we're essentially able to attract liquidity on their pair uh, we started uh, with uh, LUSD on some stable pairs, as well as uh, boxes, and we're going to be uh, kind of expanding the coverage as we go. Uh, now, the good news is uh, this activity is actually uh, profitable. Uh, it generates a revenue in terms of trading fees and potential bribes collected, uh, as well as fees and the incentive collected on our own liquidity uh, providing positions. And so uh, the collective is able to uh, gather a weekly revenue through, through its harvest. And uh, the perspective here is uh, first allows the collective to be uh, self-sufficient because it's able to generate more revenues than it, its cost since uh, pretty much its inception. So the contributors are paid from revenues derived from this activity. But there is also a surplus. And this surplus enables uh, collective to essentially uh, accumulate some uh, core assets that can then be used to directly provide liquidity in the protocols. So uh, no magic here. <laughs> Long term, we're looking mostly at uh, accumulating ease and stable coins to uh, you know use them in, in various protocols. So maybe mint some box ease, for instance, on cat in the box, or uh, mint uh, LUSD from liquidity uh, and so on. Yeah, cool. And is this uh, just confined to mainnet um, or across various layer twos as well? Now, yeah, we're already active on um, Arbitrum, Optimism, Polygon uh, POS, Base, and Polygon ZKVM. And there might be more coming uh, as they are, um, if they become relevant to the collective. So it's really the idea of uh, working uh, on, on layer twos uh, very uh, intensively too. Actually, right now, most of the revenue is coming from layer twos. This is also where we have uh, the bulk of the liquidity driving capabilities. So uh, it's it's highly correlated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, if anyone's building on a layer two, um, there may be some liquidity driving happening on those chains as well. And then maybe we can't uh, have the podcast without touching on um, the most uh, watched repeg of all time uh, at the <laughs> moment. Maybe you could give us a bit of a overview of how the uh how you took control um and became <laughs> the dictator of the go repeg and then what what's happening there and and your sort of plan or basically the overview of what what's going on yes for sure so uh indeed the collective kind of got involved with uh the uh, go liquidity committee through myself where i've been member of the committee since it started about two weeks ago uh and there were a few initiatives being uh, led but um I guess the main downside there was that everybody was kind of leading their own uh, 
idea and, and some of them were conflicting with one another. Uh, so it was really hard to have a, a coherent strategy at the, the goal level to uh, engineer its VP. So I offered to, uh, <laughs> to assume a benevolent and temporary one-month dictatorship of the collective, of the, uh, the, the liquidity committee, sorry, to, uh, to try to synchronize that strategy to repeg go and, and have something uh, coordinated. Um, so the way it works is we're using uh, bias liquidity providing essentially as a way to support goals price. So uh, the liquidity committee is deploying incentives on pairs that are um, essentially heavier in the pairing assets. So we uh, use DC or LUSD, for instance. And this generates uh, a buying pressure on the gold stablecoin to push it progressively towards a higher price. Now, it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not always that easy because there is, um, well, there is movement on gold, you know. So like right now, for instance, we had a, we had a good start for this new strategy. And we were able to gain almost a four cents. And since then, there's been a lot of gold minted uh, that were sold and uh, pushed us back uh, half a cent in price. So uh, yeah, it's a bit of an ambitious challenge. The target is a 0.985 by November 30, so in 24 days. And it's roughly two cents north of where we are right now. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's a, a challenge, but we're launching a new uh, initiative today. We're diversifying the pairing. So, so far we were doing it only on Go USDC on Maverick. And now there's going to be two concomitant set of worlds with uh, Go LUSD and Go USDC. So that should help create additional pressure. Um, and yeah, I don't know. No, it doesn't go live because right after, uh, after this, actually, I'm, I'm, I have to uh, launch those points. There could be good opportunities for <laughs> liquidity providers. But even whenever this airs, uh, they will have options on Maverick. Just look for the Go boosted pools. And um, yeah, there are ways to contribute to the repegging and, and earn a nice yield in the process. Yeah, cool. I uh, have been sitting in one of those pools as well myself for the last uh, few days. And um, it's been good. Um, ma maybe I know that they're a, a partner of uh, the collective, but why, why Mav? So why Maverick and what what do they offer, I guess, for something as sort of nuanced as repegging a stablecoin like Go? What do Maverick offer that um, sort of become mean that they're the place to sort of uh, facilitate this liquidity? Yeah, so the thing that is very unique about Mav is that uh, as a project, you can literally draw the, the liquidity distribution that you want and then post incentive on it. So uh, it's a very direct way of uh, shaping your liquidity uh, versus what you have on other venues that tends to be a bit less uh, straightforward and, and, and uh, not as direct. So that's the main interest. It allows us to create those uneven pools that are uh, positive pressure for, for Go. But we started also experimenting with another tool called uh, Mercure for uh, Uniswap V3 incentives and here it's uh, again a bit less direct than Maverick in the sense that we're not creating a liquidity shape and telling people, hey, you get incentive for matching exactly that shape, but it's more about um, distribution of incentives. So there is a, a set of incentive for um, Go USDC LPs of the five BPS pair on Uniswap V3, but the way the incentives are distributed is ponderated on your Go balance in the pool mostly, I think 80%. 50%, oh, sorry, your USDC balance, 
then 50% on your goal balance and 5% on the fee collected. So it's uh, uh, the distribution of the incentive is really biased toward how many USDC are you providing to the pool. And it's a way of, again, incentivizing this buying pressure. But it's, it's not as direct and it had some impact on the pool. It helped rebalance the structure uh, more in favor of USDC, but not as much as we wanted to on Uniswap. So we will see, but it's all <laughs> cutting edge stuff. We're trying and measuring and, and then uh, adjusting quite often, yes. Yeah, cool. No, it's it's very, very interesting to watch. And obviously, like the, a lot of the other stable swaps, they just incentivize everyone equally. So if the pool is completely unbalanced, you're still incentivizing liquidity that you don't really need or want there. So us, these two options, I guess, um, make it very good for someone like yourself that can sort of target that incentivization a bit more. And we'll, I don't know if you can answer this, but will um, Aave be sort of trying to solve the root cause of like the lower interest rate or the, the sort of cheap price to mint go? Or are there any other initiatives that will be sort of working hand in hand with the liquidity um, to try and bring that peg up as well? Oh yeah, what uh, we're doing at the liquidity committee level, it cannot be sufficient by itself. It's like a push, it's helping to, to resolve this, but we need also to indeed, as you highlight, highlighted, to resolve that uh, more fundamental uh, imbalance. And so there are a few things being worked on at the Avidao level. So there is an interest rate uh, uh, increase coming up for gold that should help uh, uh, resolve that spread a bit more. Uh, and they're considering all those things essentially pertaining to additional utility for Go to uh, help stabilize because, yeah, that's maybe the other biggest current uh, hurdle is that there is no um, there is no way of uh, essentially producing a yield just by keeping Go as such. And so it drives a lot of Go borrowers to uh, essentially swap it for something else or at best get involved in liquidity pools, but then we run into the problem that we need to make sure that those pools are unbalanced in favor of USDC, so they create positive pressure, else they're just like dumping liquidity. So yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum we're at right now, but uh, everything is kind of converging to um, to have a reversal, I hope, on the, on the go uh, price shortly. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, in the meantime, some of us that, that are doing it can get paid in uh, go to sit in USDC and do our bit for the mission as well, which is good. Um, so I guess I don't really have, have much else to cover here. Maybe if there was um, any other partnerships that you could highlight coming up for the collective, is there anyone that you can talk about um, that you're working with? Uh, yeah, I guess we can we can put some other under the spotlight. So we've been doing a, a few things with uh, LUSD and Liquidity too. Uh, and that's kind of where the initial uh, experience of that repeg situation came from. So it's really cool to be able to, um, you know, sidestep uh, some skills we developed for, for one project to help another. Um, and it seems like this angle actually, uh, depending on how successful we can be, uh, is, is, is receiving a keen amount of interest from other projects, you know, being uh, liquid staking derivative tokens or other stable coins. Um, so that's something we might be uh, <laughs> we might become quite uh, known for. Uh, so there are a few projects that are not live yet, but we're looking into helping them on those topics from start. Uh, something like a diet stablecoin, for instance, or the the Diva uh, uh, e staking derivative token, Divis. Yeah, cool. So yeah, it doesn't have to just be stablecoins. Any pegged assets are sort of like the uh, 
the wheelhouse of the collective. Yes. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. Well, yeah, I think from my side, that's all for today. So if there was anything else you wanted to cover or maybe where can everyone find you or on the collective and get in touch if they uh, want to get involved? Yes. So if you are interested with the collective missions, do join the Discord. This is where uh, things happen. This is where you can um, get involved on various topics and even um, share your suggestions as to what you would want the collective to see doing. As I was telling you the story of this uh, uh, manifesto is really like not something we had in scope already, but just community members popping on the Discord and being like, hey, I, I would see a manifesto for this. Let's write it. And, and then are working on it. So this is definitely the kind of uh, attitude behavior we'd like to see <laughs> and, and, and yeah, well, uh, definitely support. Um, now for the next things to look for, uh, I was mentioning earlier, we have this uh, article written by Niels that is coming up uh, this week latest for sure. It, it's almost ready already. Uh, providing a bit more guidance on this question of um, establishing the protocol guidelines. And this is something where uh, we want to involve the community as much as possible. So really looking, you know, to uh, establish some kind of minimal document that could serve as a basis for discussion for the community to together iterate on more than, you know, projecting something here as the guidelines, guys, let's go, we work with it. Because we understand that it's it, it cannot be consensual, uh, even, you know, with this community uh, driven approach. There will probably be people that are pissed by those guidelines because they don't, uh, their protocol don't fit in. So we really want to hedge for that as much as possible and make sure we hear from everybody so that, you know, they are as fair as they can be. Yeah, cool. Excellent. Now that's good. I think one thing, um, as someone that is in the Discord, it's very high signal, low noise, which is good. There's not too much chat in there and you don't have to catch up on a million messages every day. So when something is said, it's usually, um, of good value and um it's something that you can just leave your notifications on for and check in every day and, and catch up so that's something that i enjoy about it as well so um yeah thank you very much for coming on thank you for hosting me and yeah see you around on the discord <laughs> see you soon thank you thanks for tuning in to the deus ex dao podcast a place where some of the most progressive and innovative builders, thought leaders, and traders in the crypto space come together to discuss all areas of the crypto industry. Whether you're into DeFi, Layer 1s, Layer 2s, NFTs, or anything in between, we've got you covered. And as a reminder, nothing said on this podcast should be construed as financial advice or as a solicitation to buy or sell any digital asset or security. The comments, views, and opinions expressed by the hosts or guests on the podcast are their own. As always, you'll need to do your own research.